0: Day afternoon replay from Money FM eighty nine point three Market View on Money FM eighty nine point three. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM eighty nine point three. I'm Clarissa Montero, JP Ong. With me, and what a morning we've had.
1: What a woeful Wednesday.
0: <laughs> a woeful Wednesday, indeed. Worrying one,
1: too. Worrying one, yeah. I mean, let's, let's add on a couple more Ws right there. But uh, markets are losing, unfortunately, today. Uh, the Straits Times Index, we mentioned, down by about 0.7% today. How about, uh, ask me how, how, what value turnover looks like, Clarissa.
0: Ah, uh, okay. What's value turnover? For JP? <laughs> okay. Can you
1: believe that in the, in the first half of today, we've already seen 801 million Singapore dollars in total trades? Wait, wait, hands. wait.
0: Let me guess. Mostly sell-off.
1: Mostly selling. I mean, you've seen the Straits Times index down by about uh, 21 points. And uh, the losers trumping the gainers on the tally board today. 300 stocks in the red. 300 stocks, REITs and Trust, that is. Only 97 stocks that are managing to stay in the grade. Not a lot of them actually on the STI today. Again, this whole sell-off will get happening just after we got confirmation early this morning that Iran had launched rocket strikes against two U.S. bases in Iran. Iraq and of course, uh, U.S. President Trump has tweeted out a response saying all is well. He maybe he's putting on a brave face or he's trying to at least keep his cool amidst uh, the retaliation from Iraq. Iraq has said that they've concluded this attack, but they've also hinted that this is definitely in retaliation for the killing of General Qasem Soleimani by a U.S. drone strike just last week. And again, this is sending a lot of markets across the region uh, down. You you take a look at the Nikkei 225 in the red by about 1.5%. ASX 200, despite the fact that you see a lot of oil oil producers and gold miners there they're also in the red by about 8 points shanghai and shenzhen also trading lower the hang Seng down by 251 points the korean Cosby trading about 0.7% in the red look now let's not mince words uh equities are all selling off at the moment they're all flocking to some of these risk uh some of these safe haven assets not so much Currency safe havens like the Swiss franc, which uh, did rise earlier today against the U.S. dollar, but has pared back a little bit. So is the Japanese yen. They had they did weaken, but are now stabilizing at about strengthened that is, but stabilizing about hundred eight spot thirty four against the U.S. dollar. So it's more it's more propping up gold, which at one point today actually hit one thousand six hundred dollars a troy ounce. Uh, that's a milestone. It's come down a little bit from that, but still one thousand five hundred ninety three dollars a troy ounce, and uh, and really, I mean, crude prices back on, on the rise once again. Brent crude uh, almost at uh, above 69. Yeah. Well, it's about 69. $69.21 a barrel. But there has been a lot of volatility in the oil markets again. And no surprises because we know Iran also one of the five largest producers mm. of oil mm. in the entire world. So this is the picture we're seeing at the moment. Brent crude, WTI, all gaining at the moment. It's a similar picture as we've seen on, on from last Monday. A number of uh, equity analysts and strategists have mentioned that, again, these might be knee-jerk reactions, but can you really call it a knee-jerk reaction when you've had Attacks on both sides of uh, of this brewing conflict or brewing tension between the U.S. and Iran, all in the span of the last five days, is it still considered a knee jerk reaction? Well, we'll have to pose that question to some other strategists later on. And
0: the Americans haven't uh, responded yet.
1: They have not responded yet. They say they are assessing the damage that's been caused out there. Um, and uh, mind you, this isn't the only news coming out of the out of the region. Also, uh, a Boeing seven three seven run by Ukrainian International Airlines also. Crashing recently. Some estimates have it at 180 people, uh, flight uh, passengers and crew going down with it. Boeing said they're still gathering information about this. What I can say is that this is not involving the 737 MAX, because if you go according to the uh, the website of the of uh, of the Ukrainian international airlines, they actually said that uh, they actually don 't have any seven three seven maxes what they do have are twenty four seven three seven eight hundreds and also four seven three seven nine hundred so it could mm-hmm. be one of these two ng planes right. or seven three sevens that they have at the boat but it 's not the seven three seven MAX. we don 't know if it 's for technical reasons and we don 't or we, we don 't know if maybe they were also maybe they got caught on the crossfire based on the on the attack also. But uh, if it is a technical reason, that could actually be a bigger headache for Boeing. Because on one hand, it's another model that might have technical issues that could cause the grounding. And mind you, they're still reeling from the continued grounding of that 737 MAX. So yet more problems. I do find it interesting that in the fleet of Ukraine International Airlines, there is Nari, an Airbus model there.
0: Well, maybe they want to rethink
1: that. Well, I think think there's going to be a lot of uh, head scratching at the moment. But first things first, trying to assess the damage and trying to assess whether or not there are casualties from that crash, Trying but these two events, why
0: it crashed. and
1: also why it crashed. So, but these two events really happening alongside each other, all within the region. So, this uh, this, this plane crash, um, actually actually for the Boeing seven three seven, is just another another one of these major wrinkle, another headache that markets will have to think about, even share, especially shareholders of Boeing later on.
0: Okay, so now I'm taking my memory back all the way to the first Gulf War. Yes. Um, I happened to be in the air flying over that airspace before they started diverting planes. Oh, I was in the fifth grade. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) I was not. (laughs) But I remember how harrowing that flight was for us, even though we were perfectly safe and I arrived in one piece with, with, you know, no injuries and, and, and no threats to the plane at all. So if you are going to be flying SIA, this is good news for you. Um, they're di- diverting all flights from the Iranian airspace after the attacks just to be on the same Well, side.
1: very sensible as well. Um, I do also want to bring up something that was a little cl- a little more recent, if you can call five, six years ago, recent mm. actually, that Malaysian airlines, uh, airlines crash yeah. that happened over Ukrainian airspace during the, during the height of the conflict in that particular space. I don't think I mean, that was a crash. I you know I think they, I think
0: they were shot out of well the crash
1: air. shot well possibly they, yes they, they I believe they were shot down actually or they were caught in the crash but mm. nevertheless that's what happens when you enter the airspace of, of a place that's highly hotly contested and could be uh, uh, an area of conflict also so I think Singapore Airlines doing a very very sensible move yeah. I think if I was in their place I would have I would not hesitate either either this could be diverting their flights to Europe uh, also after after the after the um, the missiles were fired. Um, I, I, I find it interesting whenever airlines decide to do this. I wonder what the alternate routes are when you have to divert yourself because you'll have to skirt around these particular areas. Well,
0: you know as a passenger, we really don't care.
1: Well, yes, we don't. <laughs> we shouldn't. Unless this actually means also in the, in, in the grand scheme of things, you would rather have a longer flight mm. time than having yourself be prone to missile attacks and being sure. shot down, right? But nevertheless, if this this could also mean if they are diverting or re, or taking detours around these particular spaces, this could add another hour or two maybe to some of the flight, uh, flight mm-hmm, times mm-hmm. for SIA. It's mind uh, when you compare it to a, to the to the risks of a possible crash or poss- or possibly being shot down, uh, I think something that uh, passengers have to factor in also and just ask. Well, it was just 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 curious. I mean, does that mean I arrive in Frankfurt two hours later than I'm supposed to? Three hours later than I'm supposed to? Um, what's the what's the plan here? But I think uh, overall, you probably will want to thank SIA for uh, for choosing this uh, this path. But Singapore Airlines, and I think this is interesting because in the wake of uh, I guess in, as we go through this conflict, that's really driving oil prices up. Airlines are going to be very interesting to watch watch out for because they are very sensitive to oil price movements. Of the course, biggest. Arguably, the biggest cost that they face is a fuel cost. And if this continues to drive oil prices up and continues to make oil prices very volatile, this is going to affect airlines like Singapore. Now, a number of analysts have pointed out and said that there's not much to worry about with regards to the major airlines of the world because most of them practice fuel hedging. But how good exactly are they at fuel hedging, especially in these times of volatility? Um, is, it, uh, is it a... Is it, uh, assured that most of them are actually hedged against these. I think these are some of the questions folks might want to ask Singapore Airlines at the next analyst call also, just how well they're hedged, because it's, I think it's more important now than ever to figure out what Singapore Airlines' strategy is with regards to hedging against some of this oil volatility, because them, more than almost any industry I can think of at the moment, really there is very sensitive to what's going on in that place. Not to mention also if you're driving home later on, mm-hmm. um, uh, we saw fuel prices actually inch up over the, over the last couple of days here in Singapore, right? A couple Which of coincides
0: with my need to uh, gas my car. There um. you go.
1: There you go. So you've got, again, this is why oil, pri- oil crude prices are very important because this could influence the pump prices also. So whenever you see oil prices come down, it might be a good time to buy during that particular market's dip.
0: Um, less likely to see a, a drop in prices at the pump, but they have announced that there has been an increase at the pump since yesterday. Yeah,
1: I think a number of them I think Shell actually announced that and there was most a, of a, th- them. a three cent increase. I think is the only also, one. Yes, yeah, the only one that's held out. But generally, you might want to check check what the prices are uh, at your at your local pump station also, see if it's been About three cents per litre. And if you are scheduled to gas up today... That would be me. Um, <laughs> uh, Tough luck, guys.
0: What can I say? <laughs> what
1: can you say? I mean, we are at the mercy. What's happening in Iran or between the U.S. and Iran definitely is making itself felt, even here in Singapore, and you don't have to go further than your local gas station to see that.
0: You don't have to go f- look further than, yeah, yourself. And then the questions arise as to how is that going to affect everything else? Uh, food prices, if this becomes a protracted conflict.
1: Hmm. If it becomes a protracted conflict, drives up crude prices because in many a CPI basket, it oil prices becomes a part part of that mm-hmm. it's usually stripped out of core cpi because it's so it's uh, relatively more volatile than other um major items of purchase right but uh, we've seen this actually have its effect on many oil net oil importers in the Asian space. My country, the Philippines, for one, they saw a lot of inflation just two years ago when oil was starting to inch up and hitting and, 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 and going up because of those supply cuts by OPEC. And that affected inflation in, in a big way. We saw inflation rates of 4% at some point mm. in some certain months. I'm not saying that that uh, it's going to happen here in Singapore but something to really watch out for to see what the blowback or what the add-on what the carryover effect is of a prolong, of prolonged oil volatility prolonged increase in oil prices will have on the cost of living here and it's not going to be good inflation it's not going to be wage-driven inflation it's going to be that inflation that really bites you especially if you're driving a car
0: it's, a, it's another question mark isn't it we, we still don't know what the impact of the raging bushfires in Australia will have on our food costs
1: mm that there there's that too right there's a 1 2 punch there as well mm. and uh um, this also illustrates just how important the government's push towards food sustainability, all, mm. the, all, the, all the investments they're making in some of the food tech startups here and across the world, how important it's going to be for the strategy of Singapore. Because um, do you really want to wait until the last minute before you diversify and try to, and try to spread out your food, uh, your food sources and yep. your food base, especially for this population? I know it's not the biggest population in the world, but nevertheless, you're going to have to feed these, what, six million people in Singapore mm-hmm. at the moment? Um, it puts under the spotlight the drive, at least, by the government to try and find more sustainable food sources because case in point, you've got on the right hand you've got, you've got the Australian bushfires affecting agricultural costs from, from any food imports. I believe we do import significant amounts of foodstuffs from Australia. Well, we import everything. So. There you go. And Australia must be one of those places too. And on the left hand, you've got what's going on with oil prices. So a one-two punch and can you dodge the, the combos that are mm. being thrown at you all. So it shows you just how important it is to plan for these things, especially for a country like Singapore that imports pr- practically what it, everything. Yeah, just
0: about everything. Just about everything. I mean, we're trying to we're trying to grow our own food. That's part of that sustainability uh, food push that you're talking about. Um, we're certainly nowhere near re- self reliant as we would like to be. Mm-hmm. So yes, a lot of it is coming from overseas, there from you go. from everywhere in the world. Everything from our meats to our Vegetables to our fruit, and to our got, eggs. And that's
1: got to help onto a ship or a plane to get here also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and there you go. Another sector that might be worth watching out for, the oil and gas sector, what it's going to do to gas rig orders. It's very oil and gas rig orders. Um, Rex International, they are pursuing certain contracts in oil fields in Oman. Now, Oman, from last I checked, not exactly, not that far away, actually, from Iran or some of these conflict spots. Also, how is this going to affect what happens there? I was speaking to the head of research at Kassikorn Bank in Thailand for Across the ASEAN, called Silpachai, and he was saying that the real flashpoint here is if tensions escalate and Iran decides to close off the Strait of Hormuz, which is one of those big through points for yep. oil shipments. That could really put uh, that could, that could be one of the knockout punches or the uppercuts. On crude prices and send it rising even further and create more flashpoints, not just between Iran and the U.S., but also among its other neighbors and also some of its co-members in OPEC, because we, as we know, a lot of these neighbors that they have, they're all together in OPEC trying to hold on to these supply cuts. And if Iran does this, they might look at them and say, Go, oh, bro, what? what's <laughs> so, going on, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah, so there's, there's so much to take into account. I'm there actually... is a lot
0: of uncertainty today. Okay, so we've, we've got value turnover very, very high. At this point, most of it sell-off action. Yes, um, I, we are clearly going to cross the billion-dollar mark.
1: If not in the next hour, in the next two, for right. sure. Yeah. And uh, by the way, just checking on Singapore Airlines now; they're down by about one point one percent. Feeling that pinch definitely. Just be glad that if you're if you're heading to Europe, you're probably not going to be passing over any of these conflict spots. Um, but what is it going to do to your travel time? And more importantly, what is it going to do to fares? airline fares moving mm-hmm. forward or even their ability to manage their costs again. Just just a quick return to Singapore Airlines today.
0: All right. So before I let you go, um, is there anything going on that doesn't involve the uh, heightening tensions in the Middle East or the Australian bushfire? Yes, there is. The race for the digibank licenses.
1: Yes. Well, I think the race for the digital bank licenses. We'll be talking to uh, Vasu Menon later on. Mm-hmm. He's going to be coming in live at 5.40 to talk to us about what's going on with regards to uh, with regards to the escalating tensions between the U.S. and Iran. And some have actually said that uh, basically these rocket attacks on U.S. basis is a declaration of war by Tehran already. You can say it's any, it's in everything but the writing at the moment. So we'll have to talk to him about that. But we'll also be touching on the digital bank race. Why so many players from all these distinct, I guess, sectors are getting involved? Shen Xiong and Razor, have you ever th- thought of a more odd... Tag team to go after one of these full uh, full bank licenses. Um, Grab and Singtel makes a little bit more sense, but you've got the the, like even interest from China coming in. You've got the likes of uh, of iFast, um, the Singapore Business Federation racing for these. Um, In spite of all of this, CGSCIMB today has said that they are still overweight the banks now their counterpart jeffries has said this could erode the asset bases by 3 to 5% but they've said but uh, cgs cimb says that the banks are still going to be able to weather the storm because of the strong balance sheets yes the balance the asset basis will get eroded but not enough to actually to actually make them wobbly and according to the folks over at cgs cimb they still have dbs as their top pick um dbs and o- uob both have an ad call rating and OCBC at the moment at a hold, so so. But but overall, the picture is still towards the upside for the banks. They still believe that the banks will be able to weather the storm, mm-hmm. or maybe it's just that digital banking aside, maybe there's room for everybody at the moment.
0: Actually, I'm not, I'm not shocked or surprised that companies are, are looking at diversifying. I mean, look, if we go back what must be now 20 plus years ago. Yochiab Singh, which is a public listed company, back then made soft drinks. That's what they were known for, soft drinks and canned foods. But the reason they were ripe for takeover was not because of that business, but because they had huge land banks. Yes. And they were eventually bought by a developer. Yes. So, you know, they had already been diversifying quietly into property ownership, just holding on to it. Because they saw the value, and SPH is doing that now.
1: Well, the, well, that, that that's the thing too, right? Um, uh, regardless of what business you are, regardless of what the time is, diversification is always going to uh, serve mm-hmm. you well. There is always a case to be made that maybe a company might be stretching itself too thin by going to too many areas or too many a- sure. assets. But if you're able to go at least uh, spread yourself out and at least have four legs to your stool, right, mm-hmm. to your chair or your table, um, you'll probably be in better stead. And I think, especially what's going on right. Now, as we've as we've highlighted, diversification could be very key. Trying to make sure that your portfolios are defended, and also making sure that you enter at the right times for the market. Some some analysts are saying, "Hey, you know what? You just have to buy at the dips and wait for markets to come back up." Um, that's great, all and good, but. Uh, Remember it's going to be a very volatile next couple of days.
0: It's gonna be a very volatile 2020, twenty twenty by go. the looks of it.
1: Exactly. All right,
0: this has been Market View on Money FM eighty nine point three. JP Ong will be back at four PM on prime time to bring you the very latest business, finance, and market news then. But in the meantime, we'll be keeping our eye on all the leading news stories. So stay with us. Before acting on the information on Money FM